Hello and welcome to Up the Arts with me, Thomas McGill. Uh, thanks for tuning in and thanks for continuing to support this podcast, which is uh, the only one out there that I can find that deals specifically with uh, LGBT arts and cultural issues. So you're very welcome and thank you for listening. Now, I hope you can detect a big smile on my face because this week... I am in Northern Ireland. I'm back home uh, for this latest recording. And it's it's something really close to my heart, actually, because Northern Ireland traditionally has not been a great place if you were gay or part of the LGBT community. The country does not have a very good track record. Um, Let me just tell you a few little facts about Northern Ireland. It was the last part of the UK to legalise homosexuality. So that didn't take place until 1982. It was the last part of the UK to end a lifetime ban on blood donations by gay men. And, of course, more recently we know it was the last part of the UK to introduce same-sex marriages. So it doesn't have a great track record and I'm delighted to be able to talk about all of that with my guests this week. Two wonderful, artistic, educated, intelligent men um, who are making some great art and culture here in Northern Ireland. One of them is part of the Belfast Ensemble, which has created a documentary looking at all the negative, bigoted, anti-homosexual comments made by the DUP party over the last few decades. And the other is a chap called Nicky Larkin, and he has made a documentary looking at how this opera came about and behind the scenes of that. So we're talking about a documentary and about an opera. So let's just have a quick listen first of all. Iris Robinson goes on the radio. She says live on air that gay people are an abomination. A man later that week is beaten close to death in Lorne. The next day, her husband is declared First Minister of Northern Ireland. The very next day, the radio programme phoned the now First Lady of Northern Ireland and asked if her week's comments previous had brought about the beating of that gay man. But it just struck me that in Northern Ireland there was this no-holds barred. You can actually say whatever you want. Now, the documentary will be shown as part of the Imagine Festival here in Belfast. It's been going for a number of years. It's fabulous. Lots of great things happening um, throughout the next couple of weeks as part of that. The documentary is due to be screened there and there's going to be a Q&A with Connor, who is the director of the opera, and, of course, Nikki, who has uh, made this documentary. So let's meet this week's guests. There's a lot going on regarding the documentary. There's an opera, there's a festival happening, there's an ensemble, there's loads to explain. So I thought we could perhaps start by chatting to, or asking you, Matt, to sort of give us a sense of where this all started. The opera was the beginning. So what's that about and how it came about, uh, first of all? So um, I work quite solidly with a company called the Belfast Ensemble, which was set up by an amazing composer, writer, director, uh, theatre maker called Conor Mitchell. Um, And he is a a Lurgan-born man uh, from Northern Ireland who has travelled the world, lived in London, lived in New York, uh, and is just a musical genius. And him and a friend of his, Abigail McGibbon, who is an outstanding actress, set up this company to find new ways of portraying music on stage through a theatrical... Uh, you know, lens. 
Um, and I got involved with them about two and a half years ago. But this opera um, stemmed it, like way back in 2008. I think it was 2008, Iris Robinson, who was the uh, wife of our First Minister, um, went on to a local talkback radio station where she decided that it was her place to tell the world, or Northern Ireland, that gay people were disgusting, we were abominations, we were uh, like paedophiles. And she, uh, this happened the day after her husband got signed into office. So he was actually on a plane in the middle of the air flying to Westminster to properly be signed in as our First Minister while she took to the air to tell Northern Ireland how horrendous gay people are. And Connor had just arrived back home in Northern Ireland from being away and he had just moved back to Lurgan which is quite a sort of country area and he turned on the radio and this was the first thing he was faced with. So he felt like he had took a massive step back when he moved home um, because of the rights that he didn't have here. Cuts to a couple of years later, we have this company, a good number of years later, we have this company, and uh, we had just done, we've got quite a good catalogue. We're three years old now, but we've got quite a good catalogue of work. And we had just finished our summer work uh, last year, and we were talking about what we wanted to do. And we'd been given a slot for Outburst Festival, which is the Queer Arts Festival in, in Belfast. Um, and it was their 11-year anniversary. And uh, we were given the opening slot for this festival. And we, he wanted to do something really important, um, but he didn't know what way that would look. And we could kind of were having coffees, me, Abby and Connor were having a coffee, and we were just talking about what would be quite interesting topics. And the DUP came up, uh, who is our... Uh, our main political party that uh, Aris and Peter Robinson were involved in. And we just started thinking back over the past 30 years, things that have been said by the DUP towards the gay community that can be quite offensive. And um, he loved the idea of the juxtaposition between really offensive texts and very beautiful music. And... Uh, Turns uh, this then sort of it just snowballed. Connor decided. Mm. Connor is our our writer and our ly lyricist and everything. But what we what he did was he took months to research and took uh, the text verbatim. Every word that we sing in the opera has been said by the DUP. He has added nothing to it. He has taken. He's you know he's j jiggled things about so that he had a good through line. But it is all based around this one interview that Aris Robinson gave a, uh, our radio presenter Stephen Nolan and then um, so there are two lead central characters and then there's four generic DUP members uh, and we sort of voice many other speeches that have been given. Well let's take a break and listen to a little bit of that interview. Do you think for example that homosexuality is disgusting? Absolutely. Do you think that homosexuality should be loathed? Absolutely. Do you think it is right for people to have a physical disgust towards homosexuality? Absolutely. Does it make you nauseous? Yes. Or do you think it's something that is shamefully wicked and vile? Yes, of course it is. Right. It's an abomination. How much stronger a word can one use to, to uh, clarify what uh, homosexu homosexuality is to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? No. Iris Robinson's entitled to her Christian views. She can't be censored, can she? She's following God's word, isn't she? She is, of course, the wife of our new First Minister, Peter Robinson. I want you to imagine if uh, Tony Blair's wife or Gordon Brown's wife offered psychiatric counselling to gay people. On Peter Robinson's first day in office as the leader of this country, that's exactly what his wife did. I have 
have a very lovely uh, psychiatrist who works with me in, in, in my offices. And his Christian uh, background is that he tries to help uh, homosexuals, trying to turn away from what they are uh, engaged in. And this is something that I'm happy to put any homosexual uh, in touch with this gentleman. That doesn't work. Um, uh, well, it does actually. It's a process. It is a process, but I know many. It has been proven I, worldwide I, not to work, Irish. Can I just say. There is uh, no body hold on, of hold on, except hold on. Any okay, hold on, hold on. We're going to get nowhere with you both yeah. shouting over each other. Yeah. So, Iris. So can I just say, he says Iris has had a good say. Well, I would Ar- like mine. Okay, Iris first, then you, David. Go ahead, Iris. Yes, I'm just saying there is proof that it does work, and I have met people who who have turned around and become heterosexual and married and are having families. So it does work. This is a long process, and uh, the gentleman who is a psychiatrist, but more importantly, a born-again Christian, who is engaged in this work and has links right across the world uh, with working with people from Israel, from England, uh, from right across the whole spectrum. And it can, and, and, and it may not help everybody, but it can work. And I'm just arguing that point okay. that there is help out okay. there. David McCartney. And I'm happy to, to, to pass on any name. That's very kind of you. Now, I actually remember that interview. You think it was 2000 and. Eight, wasn't it? 2008. 2008, yes. And I, I was actually home at the time, and I just think, I remember thinking, flipping heck, I'm yeah. in London, and I've, I, like Connor, you know, have I stepped back in time? I mean, do, do any of you guys remember, did you hear it at the time? Do you remember the reaction in Belfast at the time to that? Were you here, Nikki, at that time? No, but you were, Matt. Oh, absolutely. I totally remember it. Um, it you know, 2008, I was 19 or 20, and... Um, at that time, I come from a Christian family, and I was still sort of battling with my sexuality. I came out at 16, so I've been quite open, um, and I've been quite open for quite a while at that stage, but still I was battling my religious beliefs at the time um, against my sexuality and against what the church thought of me or what God thought of me. And then this woman who had a position of power in our country telling me that everything I was was wrong, but she had a doctor that could heal me. Or a psychi- she, I have a lovely psychiatrist that works with me in my offices um, who he tries to help homosexuals. He tries to cure homosexuality. And I was going, I, you know, it just boggled my mind. Mm. I went to a seminar once given by Dr. Paul Miller ex-Dr. Paul Miller, who was the doctor that she was speaking about, the psychiatrist, and it was at a big Christian youth festival, and it was talking about reparative therapy and how good reparative therapy was. And um, I remember sitting back, I was about just, it was just after I came out, and I remember hanging about after the seminar to speak to him, and he told me that, you know, my life decisions were not good in the eyes of God, and he could change me. So I have had, I have had, you know, face-to-face contact with this psychiatrist that she works with, worked with. Did you believe him? Um, at the time, I think I did believe him. Um, I think I wanted to believe him. I read it because I wasn't. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to have a wife. I wanted to have kids. Um, I think because that's what was ingrained in me and what normal life was. Um, and I really wanted to believe him. I don't know whether I actually believed him, but I wanted to. And Irish Robinson was saying all this in the context that she is a Christian as well. So she was one of you. Yeah. And, I mean, how did that screw your mind at the time as well? Um, well, I've always known that, you know, uh, a certain amount of Christians have a massive issue with the gay community. I've, I've, I've known that for years. But 
it was, you know, it was very rare for someone to take such a public platform mm -hmm. and to uh, completely publicly ridicule my, my community. And uh, it, yeah, it screwed with my head for quite a while, but not, to, you know, I was still quite young at the time. So I was not, I think, affected the same way that, you know, like the likes of yourself or Connor would have been because you had traveled, you'd seen what was going mm. on in the world. You'd seen where the parts of the rest of the world had got caught up to and how far behind we were. Mm -hmm. Whereas I didn't know very much else apart from, uh, you know, what, who I am is wrong in the eyes of God. So that's the opera, and we'll chat about you and, and, and the reaction at the Burst Theatre, a uh, Burst Festival, mm -hmm. how it um, is going to travel as well. But, Nikki, then, there's a documentary, which is part of a festival that's, cut, that's going to be on uh, in the next few weeks here in Belfast as well. So what was your starting point for wanting to make a documentary about the opera? Um, well, I saw the original... Um, uh, Abomination was it called? Abomination, the original yeah, twenty minutes, like a twenty-minute work in progress, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of give an audience a bit of a taster of what could come. Mm -hmm. And that was in maybe uh, November, December, twenty eighteen, I think, in, in the lyric, but in the small, in the in the smaller part of the Studio lyric. Studio space, yeah, yeah. Something, yeah. And I was mind blown by that. And there was one particular number in that called They Are Puffs. And it was stuck in my head literally for about six months. I haven't only heard it, you know, I think they did it twice on the night. that the marriage equality was going to happen in around the same time as the full-length opera. Um, I'd always wanted to do something with the Belfast Ensemble. I'd been badgering Connor, sending him bits and pieces of my work, hoping that he might let me do some uh, video stuff with the ensemble. And then he, I think it was Connor actually suggested, maybe you should make a film about the process of creating the full opera. And then when it was happening, as I said, with marriage equality, it was just too, too good to, to not do. So Northern Ireland Screen were very good and they just gave me a bit of money to, to get it up and running. Um, and I've just always been really darkly fascinated with um, the Northern Irish sort of... Coming from the South, it's not a thing anymore, you know, this whole homophobia. It's really... We, we've sort of done this uh, leapfrog of the UK almost where, you know, it was homosexual acts were illegal until 1993 and then all of a sudden we're the first country in the world to vote publicly for marriage equality and we've just come such a long way in such a short period of time and then when I come back up here it's just it seems it's just like a, a time warp almost and it's it's just really um 
in a really grim way, it's a little bit fascinating that these Christians are so obsessed with homosexuality. For me, it's really interesting because it's not, you know, if, if it was such a big deal, surely it would be in the top 10 of the rules mm -hmm. in the Bible. It's not even mentioned. And yet in Northern Ireland, in a way that was never a thing in the South, oh, fair enough, the Catholic Church was homophobic, but not to the same degree that these like evangelical Christian right up here are obsessed with it. And I find that very interesting. Um, and so the whole thing for me was, was just too good to, too good to not make a film about, basically. Absolutely. Well, that's one of my, my points there to, to both of you guys. I mean, it's um, it's a very Northern Irish story, mm. but actually the theme is universal. And just this week or the last couple of weeks, Poland has declared, you know, LGBT free zones. And, you know, there are politicians in the world still saying those same words. So it's really relevant, isn't it, still? It's massively relevant. And I think the one thing that we were very cautious of is we did not want to make this an anti-DUP opera. We don't want to DUP bash. Mm -hmm. This is an anti-hate speech opera. Okay. And it's trying to hold people accountable. You know, so these public figures openly said these things. Like the, the song that uh, Nicky was talking about that he couldn't get out of his head uh, was originally a speech by Sammy Wilson, who ended up being our um, Brexit, negotiator, Brexit negotiator yeah. for Northern Ireland. Um, in 19... I think it was 93, a group of... LGBT people asked if they could use a, one room in the city hall uh, for something. I don't even think it was for Pride. I think it was just to run an event. And he said, under no circumstances, they're poofs. I don't care if they're rate pairs, they're perverts. And he said that publicly. And, and, and nothing was ever done about that. And the fact that these people, because they disguise it under, but this is God's word, they can say these things without people going, are you serious? Like, how are you getting away with this? So, we, but we were really positive that we did not want this to be a, an hour of just slating the DUP. So we wanted it to make it much more about this, the language that is used, which is why I think it's so interesting to use it verbatim, the text. Um, and I think that's what will make it appeal worldwide. You know, like Northern Ireland is just this little place in the middle of, you know, we're cut off from a lot of places and we probably don't matter to a lot of people in the world, but this topic totally should mm. because whether it's about gay people or whether it's if you changed the word poof to black person or if you changed it to someone with a disability, it's still absolutely horrendous. And, you know, it's, it's that that we wanted to hold on to within the opera. You touched on the impact it had on your life growing up um, when you were younger, and that followed through, didn't it? I mean, those, these words and this attitude, um, it still exists within the DUP today. I mean, we've only got equal marriage because there was no government instalment, and it was actually Westminster that, that granted that. I just want perhaps you could reflect on kind of how that impacted your journey through life here in Northern Ireland. I moved away when I was 17, 18, so I, I didn't have to live here as such, but it was, it must have been really awkward and tough. And you're young, you're young, you know, you hear this story from older people, you know, and how awful it was and how tough it is, but you're young and, and you, you still experience that negativity. Massively, you know, I am, I'm 30 and 
most of my life, I, you know, right up until sort of about five years ago, I felt the, the insane homophobia of Northern Ireland. And, you know, whether that was in school or whether it was walking down the street because I was wearing a pair of jeans that were too colourful or a top that was too tight mm. or, you know, I've, I experienced it daily. And then I just kind of went, I don't really care what other people say about me. I am class. My life is class. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. um, but 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with HIV positive. You know, also that has been a real journey for living in a homophobic Northern Ireland because I am a, the stereotype. I'm a gay drag queen living with HIV. Like I take a lot of boxes. And in this opera, a big thing that Connor wanted me to do was sing the words um, that Iris Robbins, I think it was Iris said, or someone said, um, and it's AIDS is the curse of God. And this, it's so beautiful. The music is so gorgeous and it's so emotional. And we're just singing the curse of God, the curse of God, AIDS is the curse of God. Mm -hmm. And he wanted specifically me to voice that because of my storyline. Mm -hmm. And um, I am now, you know, thanks to the amazing Nikki Larkin, I'm now quite famous for living with HIV in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Um, we should uh, say you made a documentary for True North, which is a documentary series here, isn't it? Yeah. And and uh, before that, we made a short documentary, uh, you know, about my, that's how me and Nikki kind of uh, got together. It was yeah, Becoming yeah, Cherry. Yeah. Um, and then from that, we made an amazing BBC documentary. Um, but so people now know that I am... I am the person living with HIV, and I think that was a quite an a moving part of the opera was having me voice that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it definitely has affected me growing up in Northern Ireland as a, as a gay person. Um, and, but then you do just need to really protect yourself and and find the self love that you're kind of taught because of church to not have because. And it's ingrained in you that you're wrong and, and going to hell. And then whenever I was able to let all of that go, mm -hmm. I found a new love for myself and, and I didn't really give a rat's ass what other people thought of me. <laughs> so um, the DUP or whoever can say whatever they want about me and it's not going to affect me. But um, for the first 25 years of my life, it really was quite affecting. I think it's interesting as well. You've got a view, Nikki, not coming from Northern Ireland, but... Most of the stuff we hear about in TV and in the media is about the legacy and the troubles and how that impacts young men and suicide rates and families and moving forward and all that kind of thing. And for me, it's quite interesting that the, the politics and those politicians are having an impact on the morality of people as well. And we're not even talking anything about the troubles and they... I don't know if they touched your life or not, but mm. for me, they didn't. I didn't think about them at all no. growing up in Northern Ireland. But it's you know, there's another thing going on, isn't there? Yeah, and perhaps you, you wouldn't be aware of that. Maybe living you know from uh, from down south. Well, I think what what's very interesting is that in in that same vein that you know uh, in the south in in the north as well. I mean, Jerry Adams was seen as being the personification of evil to a point where we weren't even allowed to hear his voice mm. in the 90s. And look how that's turned around, you know? So yeah. these people are now sort of uh, in charge, which is quite interesting. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. I think what I find quite interesting actually is a, a lot of our lead politicians or politicians that have led us in the past are all um, prisoners, like they're all ex-prisoners. So these are people that have gone to jail for 
fairly heinous things that then run our country and tell us what we can and can't do morale you know whether it's uh, legality or morality you know um and my dad said an amazing thing in becoming cherry that it, you know they are not they should not be here to make moral decisions that's for us to decide they're here to make sure that we have a running nhs or make sure that we have the right money for this or you know make sure the right laws are in place but, you know, what happens in my bedroom is nothing to do with you. With Iris Robinson you know, or anyone, yeah. You know, who I fall in love with is nothing to do with you. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of where we're getting to in Northern Ireland. I think we're getting there. And, and as we all know, Iris Robinson is in no position to judge anybody on what goes on in the bedroom. Well, of course, that's, that's the irony, isn't it, that people... Uh, listening to this outside Northern Ireland will know that she was living some sort of a double life herself, wasn't mm-hmm. she? Being an absolute hypocrite at the time that she actually was saying those words. That was when she was doing her thing. Yeah, so it was two years. So two years after she made this massive statement on BBC Radio Ulster, um, a spotlight program came out one evening, um, and there had been a bit of talk about it happening, and you know. And then this spotlight program happened where it completely showed Aris Robinson having a relationship with a 19 year old, uh, an extramarital relationship with a 19 year old guy called Kirk. I am not going to judge you on that. I think, you know, hats off to you, live your good sex life. But whenever you're able to do that, you then don't turn around and slag off a community that are just trying to get by, you know, and are just trying to, to survive. Because, you know, the mental health within the gay community worldwide, I'm not just thinking it's Northern Ireland specific, but we as as gay people, we grow up for the first, for the real important part of our life, hiding who we truly are because of what society tells us. And we're not even talking about church here. What society tells us is right. The heteronormativity of society, the, the fact that someday you should marry the person of the opposite sex so that you can have children. And so we... The, the, the world can carry on. We live this 15, 16 years of the most important years of our lives trying to pretend that we are not who we are, hiding that. You're going to be a very damaged human when you come out the other end of that because you then need to unpack all of that, find out who you truly are with all, without all of that nonsense going on and, uh, and then learn to live your life again. Mm. It's like having to completely restart your life whenever you come out. And, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I just went off on a tangent. No, but, well, it's interesting because, you, you know, it's about... Com- it's, the point is about coming out and that struggle as well. And I wonder, young people, in, uh, you know, teenagers and young people coming to terms with it today in Northern Ireland have the experiences of you or me or has equal marriage and the positivity that we've seen uh, down south in, in having a, a gay prime minister again leapfrogging us, you know, decades in, in front gay of us in that. immigrant prime minister. Absolutely. Yeah, that up here. You know, I just wonder, is is it a bit easier for people who, who uh, young people who are wanting to come come out today well i i do think it's it definitely is slightly easier i think they're you know they still have a lot of challenges Mm. to deal with but the fact that as we are in a much better place than we were even 10 years ago for the gay community you know we uh 10 years ago at pride probably had about seven thousand people we are now maxing about seventy five thousand people at belfast pride you know how many are gay and how many are straight i wonder it's a fabulous day out for my entire family absolutely (laughs) they're all the same i'm sure um, we you know 
I think it is definitely easier for kids to come out. I have uh, seen like a number of gorgeous kids at their school, foremost boys who are in full faces of makeup or in full drag or, you know, walk about with their nails or girls that are totally cool wearing a suit yeah. and are totally cool to come out at whatever age. Um, whereas whenever I was in school, I came out at 16 which at that time I think was quite early to come out because I still was in a school that, you know, where I got absolutely tortured. Um, and I think that that has started to dissipate slightly. I don't think it's... I, I still don't think it's easy, mm. and I would never say it is. Um, but I think it is easier, and it will get easier the, the more we do this. Like, at this, this coming weekend, I'm going to be with a group of children, six, around six-plus... Uh, in full drag reading them stories oh, right. and I think it's events like that and that we can support and celebrate that help uh, knock down the barriers for the community and, and stop people thinking about the sex act and thinking you know, when they look at us they just see us and our sex act and seeing us as humans and seeing us as people that can just read stories to kids in full drag or that you know we are just normal humans and they need to stop thinking about our sexuality first and just seeing us as people mm-hmm. and until that time happens we will face adversities um, but we are getting there it's probably worth saying, just because it's worth saying, that Iris Robinson has now stepped out of public life and has got some issues and is getting help. Mm. And I'm, I wish her luck on that. Have you had any response to the opera or the documentary which is being made? It's not, it's not publicly, it hasn't been shown ever yet. Has there been any response from anyone in the DUP or any political figure? Any reaction? No, um, we. It was quite funny because when we were doing Abomination, uh, as Nikki said, it was the time that uh, equal marriage uh, and women's rights happened in Northern Ireland, mm. and also it was uh, the thirty first of October. Halloween was supposed to be Brexit date, so we were in rehearsals. Brexit date, then equal marriage, then uh, opera happened. So the DUP were very busy. At that time, because, you know, <laughs> they they were trying to not work and also trying to stop gay people getting married and women to be able to have autonomy over their own bodies. They were very busy people. <laughs> um, but it was uh, we definitely thought Iris might have appeared because at the at Stormont Nikki was up filming at Stormont for part of the documentary the day of was it the day the, the more the day just before the refer, the equal marriage the, day when the DUP were trying to go, go back into Stormont right. to to block the thing uh, to the, the the two bills that were going through and my one mission for that day was to get somebody to say the word abomination on camera and I had all my tricks uh, I, I had all these questions written out to, to sort of elicit this response I need no worry it took about 10 seconds they were, they were going on about the, the one, one fella told me that the reason that the, the reason for Brexit was because of all the sodomy uh, you know I mean we just don't have people like that in the south or if we do they, they just they stay at home you yeah, know they're they're smart they're, enough not to yeah, stay yeah 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 <laughs> and as a documentary maker it's gold you know it's really I mean it's it's horrific and, and, and frightening but it's very oh, very yeah. interesting mm-hmm. as well that people have these really extreme I mean you know the, the absolute fury of some of those uh, mainly older men mm-hmm. out there at the thoughts of, of two people of the same sex getting married. I mean, 
they're not going to have to do it. I, I, I find it fascinating as to why it offends them. So, yeah. obviously, you know, nobody's going to make them marry a man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting from a documentary viewpoint. Yeah. And really smart of Connor and the Belfast Ensemble to bring Nicky on board and to make a documentary about it because the DUP opera is one thing, but, you know, a TV or a doc, a film, you know, something that people watch is a new audience, a different audience that would never get to experience or want to experience going to an opera. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. But, you know, from working with Nicky and falling slightly in love with Nicky, um, <laughs> I know oh, Nikki's work. <laughs> I, I know Nikki's work, and I it has been tried and tested on me. And I think he is just he is just the most incredible eye for this. Mm -hmm. And it was funny that you know we were making becoming cherry, and then when we were making uh, cherry me and HIV. The amount of times that we had we had spoken and Nicky was going, I'm not in any more documentaries. I'm not in any more documentaries. <laughs> but he's just so brilliant at it. Um, you know, I think he is the most wonderful creative person ever. So it was just a dream to then be able to marry these two parts of mm. my life together. Uh, you know, I wasn't fundamental in it happening. You know, it could have, it would have probably happened without me at all. But just being able to see these two parts of my life that I love so much, this man and this company, getting together and then creating, I have seen the documentary, creating this documentary that I think is incredible. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. The man is a, 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 he's amazing and quite sexy. So that always helps. Well, for me, it, always start, it all started with becoming Cherry. You know, mm -hmm. it was like, a, you know, one thing led to the next, led to the next. Um, uh, so, you know, Matt says he wasn't instrumental in it happening, but actually, you know, it wouldn't have happened mm -hmm. without, one, you know, starting off with, with the first film. But it must be exciting for you to know that you know your a documentary can bring this subject and and this opera to a new audience. Some you know group of people that that probably wouldn't, as I say, go to an opera or go to the theatre even. Yeah, well, let's hope they come to the QFT on the twenty sixth of March. Here's the plug <laughs> at, at half six, and let's hope that. Uh, that they don't buy concessionary tickets because I think they'll enjoy it more if they pay full price. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, uh, on that, of course, it is part of the uh, Imagine Festival here in Belfast, but um, you were telling me that the opera is due to travel mm -hmm. and come to London and where else. Um, is the documentary going to be available elsewhere as well? How do we see um, it? Well, the first step for it is, is the premiere screening in Belfast. And uh, a friend of mine was involved with the Imagine Festival and uh, he suggested it to me. And I just thought it was a really amazing opportunity to have the first ever screening with all the members of the the opera there, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to having it somewhere else where you know they wouldn't be there. Um, and then after that, really, it's all still. I mean, the film is not even finished yet. Mm -hmm. I'm still putting the the finishing touches. It's it's getting sound mixed at the minute, so it's really early early days. Excuse me for 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 it. But what I hope is that. It will find a home somewhere, may, maybe on streaming or, or broadcast, um, and also have a good festival run. But at the moment, I don't know what that looks like. Um, my focus at the moment is just the 26th of March to get uh, a file ready to give to QFT to screen that will work. That's 
And the opera then, tell us a little bit about where it, where people can see it in the future across the UK. So, yes, well, we're still, there's a lot of talk going on at the minute. Um, so it is, it is a Belfast Ensemble production, but it is co-produced by Outburst Theatre Festival. Um, and I, as I said, Outburst is the, is the queer arts festival in Belfast. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, as, as a combining of the two companies, are trying to get it you know, out there. We are definitely doing another week in Belfast at the end of August, and we are definitely doing the South Bank Centre in London in September. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a Northern Ireland audience uh, that is listening, you can see it in Belfast the last week. I think it's the last week of August. I can't, I can't say for certain. And then it's the second week in September that we're going to do South Bank. There is another couple of possibilities of it going places, um, but we we just need we just need to see. It's all funding dependent, and you know I I have very little to do with any of this. But there's a lot of forms need filled in, and um, and as a company, we are producing a children's piece of theatre at the minute. So once it's finished, we then put all our efforts into getting this out there. And it is a show that I think will have legs. It's a show that I think has a massive reach. You know, if people can get behind the story, they get behind the story, but if they can't get behind the story, they can get behind the theme of, we just need to stop saying horrible things, and we just need to support each other a bit more and love each other a bit more. You might even have more material by then. I think we might. They don't know how to shut up. I know, they really don't, (laughs) you know. And that was another quite interesting thing. At this time, especially in London, people now know who the DUP are over in, in, in London or in England. You know, a couple of years ago, they didn't. Until... Arlene Foster and Theresa May decided to get into bed with each other. That you know, the DUP didn't really make a big thing in mm-hmm. London, and now people know who Arlene Foster is. People know who this p- political party is, and people know how, re- in my personal opinion, how ridiculous this politi- p- political party are. Um, so I think that that will definitely help our audience base. And uh, but if yeah, even if you don't care for the DUP you should care about hate speech and you should definitely try and get to see this show if you def- if you can. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, I do think you're right insofar as, you know, the DUP and actually politics and, and Northern Ireland now with Brexit has been at the forefront of everyone's mind. When Brexit was, when we voted in the referendum, mm. no one ever thought Northern Ireland would be a big issue in that and mm. actually would be <laughs> the, the, issue, the issue. The issue. But also, so. you know... Uh, the Prime Minister at the minute also has openly called uh, gay people tank top wearing bum boys. You know, so this is so freely off the tongues of our lead politicians. Mm. And, you know, I'm just calling that one out. There are so many that are not in the DUP that are still saying horrific things. And they can be laughed off because tank top wearing bum boys is a funny statement. That is a funny sentence. But... The, the connotations of that and everything that that goes with that are so disgustingly homophobic that, but people just bat it off because it's you know it's a man with stupid hair uh, saying something stupid again, but actually that's it can be so damaging to people, um, so you know this con this concept works in many places America Trump the stuff that comes out of that man's mouth is horrendous. <laughs> 
and actually we're going to be doing a new piece in November uh, the Belfast Ensemble and uh, one idea and I don't think it's going to be this uh, was we were going to do there's a book called The Beautiful Poetry of Donald Trump and it's ex- uh, we're going to be performing the day of the American election so we were thinking about maybe doing something to do with how, his hate speech but I think we've, we've put that idea to bed um, but you know this idea can be ruled out for anyone just taking how, what people say and how hateful people can be and putting it to very beautiful music like it's a it's a win-win situation and uh, luckily we just have the best composer i think in the world and writer in the world on this yeah the music is fantastic fantastic well nikki the best luck as well with the with the documentary and um i think being in northern ireland or, are you based in northern ireland yes yeah, yeah. i think basically you're Probably a wise idea. You get plenty of material from our, our amazing politicians yeah, to give you another documentary. you enjoyed that they were such nice chaps it was lovely to be home and to hear all about it but I'm now back in London and since that recording well the country has gone into meltdown with the spread of coronavirus theatres restaurants bars festivals most arts and cultural events have been cancelled for the foreseeable future And unfortunately, that is also the case for the screening of the documentary and the Q&A with Nikki, who you heard there, and the director of the DUP uh, musical called Connor. That's been cancelled, but I'm just reading a text now from Nikki who tells me that they are going to be recording some sort of a webcast broadcast that they are going to be able to put out during the dates of the Imagine Festival, which unfortunately has been cancelled as well. They do hope, he tells me, that um, a full screening will uh, take place at the QFT in Belfast at some point, but no dates for that. Nicky also says in our text earlier today that he has put some clips of his documentary up on social media, so that would be on Twitter and on YouTube, and is urging people just to support him as much as possible possible. Nikki gets no money or has got no money to date um, despite the huge amount of time that he has invested in um, making the documentary so I think supporting people who work in the arts at this really difficult time uh, and I just mean support in terms of uh, moral support going on and watching it and uh, for Nikki, if he sees the numbers of people who actually watch it going up it will give him some comfort that at least it's all been worthwhile for the time being. So guys I genuinely wish you all the best. I have absolutely no doubt that the DUP Opera will be in London at some point that was scheduled for September and of course that's a long way away so 
we're confident that will take place. And of course, I wish Nikki and the, the documentary all the best as well. Well, that's it for this week. I am hoping to be back and to maintain a programme every week for you here on Up The Arts podcast. It will become obviously much more difficult because the point of the podcast is to uh, evaluate and chat about and hear about fantastic LGBT arts and cultural events that are happening around the country and of course because they've all been cancelled that's becoming more and more difficult so I really would welcome your support as well to me uh, drop me an email at show at outlook.com or go on to our social media Twitter account uh, which is show and uh, send me little messages some, some love and support is always welcomed and some ideas as well about what you might want to hear on Up The Arts podcast. I am going to be focusing, I think, a lot on books because hundreds, if not thousands of us, are now going to be self-isolating for goodness knows how long. So books are a good way to help pass that time. And we have a huge wealth of LGBT literature. And um, I have got a couple of uh, interesting books, authors who have written really interesting books lined up. So yes, definitely for the time being, my intention is to broadcast a programme every week. But until next week, stay safe and uh, stay happy. Yeah, look after yourself.